Greetings. <clears throat> Welcome to everyone. Uh, and, uh, aloha from from Hawaii. Let's begin um, with the profound simplicity of just sitting together for a few minutes. sitting together in this very simplified way. Each week, just sitting in silence and upright stillness in front of a computer screen may seem a little odd or, or it may become just ordinary or even a little a boring, waiting for something else that might be more interesting or stimulating. But there was a piece written in the 13th century by Zen Master Dogen, which we study, entitled Self-Fulfilling Samadhi. And right at the end, of that piece. He writes something that includes a statement similar to this. I'm not quoting, I'm calling it up from my own heart, from memory. 
He said, even if all the Buddhas throughout space and time, as numerable as the sands of the Ganges, exert their Buddha wisdom, they couldn't fully comprehend and they could never measure the merit or the fullness of the wonder of even one person's zazen, this sitting. Even if all the Buddhas bring their Buddha wisdom and their experience and insight, they couldn't comprehend the, the power and the depth and the significance of this simple sitting. So I hope that we don't take it for granted. And appreciate that our practice that we bring, even in this simple way, in silence and stillness together, is profound uh, beyond measure. reality of that power we chant when we say vast is the robe of liberation a formless field of benefaction wearing the universal teaching I realize the one true nature thus harmonizing all being vast is the robe of liberation a formless field of benefaction Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. And speaking of these kinds of, of questions, just a, a few days ago, my two wonderful friends here on the island, with whom I meet each week when we can, and we may sit and um, discuss goodness knows what, or and take a walk. <clears throat> and this week, uh, one of the, the fellows asked me, he said, how would you describe 
define or express beginner's mind to someone who has no experience with practice or Buddhism or certainly Zen literature? How would you help? How would you say that in a way that would that would stick or that would touch someone and they would they would keep it? And I, it had never occurred to me because it has been part of my understanding for such a long time, and it seems rather direct. But you know, it, and he said, you know, it's certainly openness. That, that's true. And I said, yeah, it includes a willingness and maybe a surrender and but then he said yeah but the further you go the more philosophical or abstract it can get and and he said you know it's not exactly childlike wonder or awe and our other friend said you know maybe it's more like adult wonder And that set me to reflecting on these, these qualities and what our practice is about as we inquire, inquire deeply about these things. I'll often go to definitions just to begin with the words. And I, so when I looked up wonder, uh, I got uh, something or someone that is very surprising, beautiful, amazing or a feeling caused by seeing something that's very surprising, beautiful, or amazing. Uh, something that is uh, so surprising it's hard to believe. Wonder. And awe looped back a bit. The definition I discovered was a feeling of reverential respect mixed with possibly fear or wonder. So I, I think authentic spiritual practice and certainly religious experience offers us the possibility that we might be opened to a transformational experience that includes awe and wonder. Every wisdom tradition has its stories and its promises about this kind of reality. And it's called by many, many names, of course, uh, liberation, uh, salvation, union with the divine, enlightenment, freedom, oneness. But whatever the name, the question still remains, what's the purpose of our practice? of the practice that we're engaged in now together. These practices which are based in Buddhist teachings and inspired by the practices of Zen people for about the last 1500 years. And what's the purpose of all of this if it's not to liberate us from our small self-involved and self focused perspectives. So we open to the surprising and beautiful sense of loving connection, which is the ground of all things and all beings. This 
um, freedom from the constraints of our individual personhood leads us toward uh, more kindness and care for each other, compassion for the world. And in the bargain, we're offered this luminous gift of going beyond ourselves while still living as ourselves. And in the bargain, encountering a love that is well beyond and outside of emotion and is clearly a vision beyond ordinary knowledge, which of course is wisdom. And my experience and the experience of my students that I talk to demonstrates that these numinous experiences are made possible by what we call beginner's mind. And my sense is that that term adult wonder is a function of beginner's mind, but is not its foundation. So let's, let's inquire a little bit deeper and go back to Suzuki Roshi's original teachings because we uh, we think of beginner's mind here when I I pull out the book from my bookshelf um, you know the this old version of the famous book Zen Mind Beginner's Mind in which is quoted the um, the calligraphy that's inside which is for beginner's mind are the kanji for Shoshin. Shoshin. Sho, um, in my Japanese-English dictionary, suggests that it represents begin or first. Begin or first. There's not a personal ownership, beginners, begin or first. And then Shin is that combination of heart and mind. And in that little volume, in the prologue, entitled Beginner's Mind, we find this, this sentence, our original mind includes everything within itself. It's an empty mind and a ready mind. Our original mind begin or first. It's only before something. And it's our heart, our heart and mind, Shin. Our original heart and mind includes everything within itself. So there's the suggestion of a vast container which through practice we rest back into and realize rather than this small individual perspective that's separate. And he says an empty mind and a ready mind. Empty doesn't mean a void of thought, like actually kind of ignorant. No, it means uh, openness. And, and the part that I think is essential is ready. It's a, it's a active readiness and willingness and there's an energy to it 
And then the famous quotation that follows. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. And all of us who teach in this tradition and all of us who've read this book know this to be the capstone. This, this sentence seems to be the most uh, off-quoted. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. As we come to practice, we're open, willing. We may have ideas we've projected onto what this, this is, but we're so willing to, uh, to find out. And in the expert mind, there, there are few. Once we're filled with ideas, preconceptions, uh, habits, things that are automatic, things begin to narrow down. So it's beginner's mind is something about the original mind, something that is always with us, that includes everything within ourselves, and that's ready to meet and receive the world. So these are things that most of us have read, um, and I just wanted to reflect them, especially given the actual kanji, um, first or begin, heart-mind. It's not about ownership. It's about a ground. And so what I did is I went to the unedited transcript of the original oral teaching that Suzuki Rishi gave uh, that was then through the editors of the volumes in Mind Beginner's Mind, uh, fashioned into the sentences that I've just read. You know, there's a story that says when the first boxes of the book arrived at City Center in San Francisco and were opened and Suzuki Roshi was handed one of the little books that like I just held up and showed you, he flipped through it and he said, looks like a nice book. I didn't write it. <laughs> he was making a little ironic comment. Of course, it was inspired and came from his teachings, but it was shaped into the language that we read by English speakers, native English speakers. Listen to this. This is from the recording of his talk out of which this chapter was edited. And remember, or even think about what it must have been like to attempt to teach the ineffable in a language that's not your original language. He's attempting to speak English and talk about something that's difficult to speak about. Here are his, his words. In beginner's mind, we have many possibilities, but in expert mind, there is not much possibility. So in our practice, it is important to resume to our original mind or inmost mind, which we ourselves, even we ourselves, do not know what it is. We have to remain always beginner's mind. This is the secret of Zen and secret of various practices. So that first sentence, in beginner's mind we have many possibilities, but in expert mind there is not much possibility. We hear the resonances of that famous, famous line. In the expert mind there is not much possibility. He follows, so in our practice it is important to resume 
to go back to, to reclaim, to rest in, to resume to our original mind or inmost mind first, to begin, original mind. It's important to resume to our original mind or inmost mind, which we ourselves, even we ourselves, do not know what it is. It can't be understood in a conventional way. We have to remain always beginner's mind. I, I like the not quite accurate grammatical way that this is spoken because it says something, I think, more important. We have to remain always beginner's mind. We have to remain first. Basic, inner. This is the secret of Zen and the secret of various practices, of various practices, of all the practices. Once Suzuki Roshi was asked, what is Zen? And he said, Zen is when any religion goes beyond itself, including Zen. So he's speaking about going beyond. And thinking back to what my buddies were talking about, you know, childlike wonder, which is <clears throat> so often spoken of, <clears throat> pardon me, in terms of the way we can open uh, to things. But, but often, you know, it's, it's more of a romanticized innocence. It's re regressive, actually, and a return to a less mature place, not, not an opening to full human beingness. Nothing wrong with it, uh, a childlike wonder, but it's not what beginner's mind is speaking about, and it's not what spiritual or religious practice invites us into. Adult wonder maybe is somewhat closer because it suggests a maturation, a, a trans person going beyond the personal, not a pre personal or less mature, but a beyond the personal open to everything, grasping at nothing, and moving with this contingent flow of experience, eyes open, heart open, aspirations clear, living by vow, that's like the best case scenario. Although it can slide into uh, self-help and um, building up of a personal self rather than the transcendent, rather than the stepping beyond what is often called in this way a, a transcend and include. We don't leave anything behind as we step further because we don't leave the beginning, the basis. And invites potential as we practice, but responsibility it's mature, not regressing to an earlier innocence, and especially not with some desire to be comforted or consoled, which is part of the childlike wonder. This is beginner's mind, original, ready. Inmost, he says, but un unknown and unknowable, it's a going beyond, a going beyond. Here's a little bit more from the original transcript. I, I really found it fascinating to read the original words. Suzuki Roshi's words. He says, 
No one knows what it is. No one knows what it is. It is very difficult to figure out what it is, to explain what it is. And of course, this is, this is our question. If you think of the question originally raised by my, my buddy, what is beginner's mind? Suzuki Roshi says, no one knows what it is. It's very difficult to figure out what it is, it, to explain what it is. And then he, he goes on. But if you have beginner's mind, it's all right. If you can say, thank you very much, from the bottom of your heart, that's all right. If you say, what is it? You have no secret. You can say, thank you very much. That's enough. But this is very difficult. So by our practice, we must make our beginner's mind more and more. We should appreciate beginner's mind. This is the secret of practice, of Zen practice. If you have beginner's mind, it is all right. And then there's that invitation to humility and surrender rather than grasping. If you can say thank you very much from the bottom of your heart, then it's all right. Not asking what is it or attempting to grasp it or understand it, but if you can say thank you very much of humility and gratitude, that is enough. But then he says, but this is very difficult. So by your practice, you must make our beginner's mind more and more. We should appreciate beginner's mind. This is the secret of practice. Zen practice. And remembering, once again, like why is it important to think about these things? Why is it important to reflect on these things? Because it is easy to lose our practice. It's easy to reshape what we're doing into just um, a psychological work or self-help or just something that would be consoling or comforting. I hope all of those things happen. But that's not the foundation of practice. That's not what beginner's mind asks us to do, to come back to the beginning or the first show Sheen, heart and mind, our original mind, our original basis of our understanding, which is in a way to go more intimately with our sense of what it means to be human, what it means to be created and to live at all. Zen Master Hong Ji in the 11th century said, with thoughts clear, sitting silently, wander into the center of the circle and wonder. Wander into the center of the circle and wonder. He said, this is how we must penetrate and study. 
I think of the Zen incel, wander into the center of the circle and wonder. And you know that that circle that's drawn isn't closed. It's open. It's empty, but by its shape, it contains everything, fullness. It's not bound. It's alive. It's alive. Very curiously, you know, because I was raised in a, a Christian background, I was fascinated by Martin Scorsese's film, The Last Temptation of Christ, with Kazanstaki's book. It's very controversial, but there's a scene in which Jesus goes into the desert alone, uh, which is um, a story that any of you who have studied any of the Gospels might be aware of. If not, it doesn't matter. He goes into the desert alone, and in the film, not necessarily written in the Gospels, in the film, Scorsese has Jesus inscribe a circle in the sand in the desert and sit in the middle of it. And then the temptations come. But isn't that similar to Buddha sitting under this tree? But he drew a circle. If you have beginner's mind, it's all right. If you can say thank you very much from the bottom of your heart, it's all right. And maybe one last expression, not just of beginner's mind, but of adult wonder, since we're sort of playing with these terms as we come to deeply understand our practice, your practice, what is your edge of practice? Are you able to meet the world, not with a just a childlike wonder, which is beautiful, but not the one that's regressive or seeking consolation or solitude or comfort as a child, but is full of responsibility and possibility as, a, as a, an adult and stepping beyond what you can even conceive of or understand our spiritual practices and our religious understanding takes us beyond. That's its point. Otherwise, it's simply self-help. And although it's um, people laugh at me because it's so predictable, in some ways I'll end with a brief expression of this from um, Mary Oliver. That The title of this poem is called, Where Does the Temple Begin? Where Does It End? So it speaks to this in the naturalistic way in which Mary Oliver always did. Here are her words. There are things you can't reach. There are things you can't reach, but you can reach out to them and all day long. The wind the bird flying away, the idea of God. And it can keep you as busy as anything else and happier. The snake slides away, the fish jumps like a little lily out of the water and back in. The goldfinches sing from the unreachable top of the tree. I look, morning to night, I'm never done with looking. Looking, I mean, not just standing around, 
but standing as though with open arms and thinking, maybe something will come. Some shining coil of wind or a few leaves from an old tree, they're all in this too. And now I will tell you the truth. Everything in the world comes. Everything in the world comes. At least closer and cordially, like, like the nibbling, tinsel-eyed fish, the unlooping snake, little, like goldfinches, little dolls of gold fluttering around the corner of the sky, of God, the blue air. There are things you can't reach but you can reach out to them and all day long. Suzuki Roshi saying, it's, it's very difficult. We don't know what it is. It's difficult to figure out, to explain what it is. There are things you can't reach, but you can reach out to them and all day long. I look morning to night I'm never done with looking, Mary Oliver says. And looking, I mean not just standing around, but standing there with arms open, ready, willing. First, beginners. And now I'll tell you the truth, she says, everything in the world comes open to everything and cordially. Adult wonder, beginner's mind, original, ready, intact, inmost, unknowable and unknowing, this going beyond, this going beyond. So I hope this may have brought um, something closer for you um, so that we might explore it in our inquiry today. So please raise your hand. And we can reflect on these things that we can't know, but we can reach out to. And we can continue to look and be receptive to and available to. Hello, Cassie. Hi. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm handholding. Uh, you know, I never think I'm going to call into inquiry, but, but you got me. Yeah. And you don't have your tripod. <laughs> and I don't have my tripod, yeah. Um, so, it, you know, as you were talking about the uh, entering the circle mm -hmm. and then something else happening, something deeper happening once you've entered that circle. As, as you were talking, I was just like, okay, I'm entering the circle. I'm just going to meet the present moment. I'm meeting the present moment with out the color infiltration of everything I think it means based on past conditioning and just being a human. But that something else that happened, like kind of struck me like a lightning bolt. It was like, oh, that's not just being present to the moment. There's another quality there 
that has to have the present moment to be there first, but then there's something else. What is that? What is that? Yeah, that, that was my question for you. You don't get to <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just with you. I'm with you in it. Yeah. There's also, when you said to see, to meet the present moment without the filtrations and this, you know, coloration, that's actually included also. What do you mean? That's some of what you meet. It's some of what you meet. So oh. if you sit in the center of the circle, some of what you'll meet is all of the things that want to pull you outside the circle, which is your history, your conditioning. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. for example, with the circle in the desert and the sand, he sat down and then temptation came. Then these things came. Right. Yeah. Everything. It's the inscribing the circle and the sitting and the willingness of coming to the beginning, back to the beginning. <sighs> we sit over and over and over. And then we meet not some purified place. And then I don't know, meet whatever. No, we meet. We, we meet all the mud. We meet everything, including all the stuff that we're carrying. And that's mm -hmm. why we, why we chant and, you know, our repentance, uh, all our ancient twisted karma, you know, born through body, speech and mind. So what is that other thing that we're meeting too? I mean, in addition to those things, but there's there was something else. And that's where that wonder came, right? Well, it's interesting because I don't know if I can answer that. And I'm not trying to be obscure. Um, the, the, it's everything else. <laughs> but it, it, okay, so it, it, was, it, it was more like a feeling than an attribute. Well, I talked about um, Suzuki Roshi describing it as thank you very much. The humility and gratitude. Mm. I think those are the qualities that best I can describe them for myself that come in that space. If I have to name them in some way, mm -hmm. there's a humility because I've been graced by this and something I did. There's gratitude right. for its arrival, even gratitude for a capacity to meet which things I don't want to arrive, <laughs> but have right. because, or because I have a spiritual friend like you who will sit beside me while I meet it. Mm -hmm. So humility and gratitude maybe are the things that uh, accompany. Yeah, and it, which he was trying to, I think, invite when he just said, "Just it's enough to say thank you very much." And that thank you is thank you. I was born. Thank you for everybody I've met. Thank you for everybody that connects with me. See, then if just saying those things and wells up. And that's the thing that's hard to describe, but is completely embodied. It's completely embodied. It's the embodied inconceivable, I call it, you know. Yeah. Um, so thanks for for bringing a pointer to that. Sure, sure. And thanks because for thinking about it so we can touch it again in ourselves and you can we can feel it together. Feel it. Yeah. yeah. And that's like you said, and that's not just a, a childlike, joyful, comforting feeling. It's a it's a stepping beyond into a place that is, is riskier is what it risks yeah. it risks all the ways we try to hold ourselves small mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and define and judge and categorize and mm -hmm. um yeah mm -hmm. and yet in that step which feels risky to our small self we gain the world you know i won't say the scripture but you know <laughs> 
Yeah, as soon as she said walking to the desert, I was just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ken. Yeah, and I'm thankful I know that, too. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. It all counts. Yeah. It's all, it's... And, and for all of our language that, that I have learned since then. That's right. And the ways that it can come to us clearer, cleaner, more fresh, more like beginner's mind again. Yeah. Yeah, and the experts is the one who knows all theology. Yeah. The beginner is actually meeting. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Flint. Thank you. Hi, Flint. Hi, Laura. Can you see me? Yes. You're still in, still in San Francisco. I felt so moved by your conversation with Cassie. Me too. Today is my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I used it this morning as an opportunity to sort of take stock as I kind of do. That's part of my patterning. And um, the question that I was asking myself was about meaning really investigating. Do I feel like I've been living a meaningful life? And the whole talk kind of turned that on its head because I think that meaning is one of those things that we also can reach towards, but maybe can't fully grasp. It's part of that embodied inconceivable that you were just sharing with Cassie. And the picture that you both painted of the circle and sitting inside and all of the mud and all of the stuff it's kind of like that was meaning rather than something that maybe feels sparkly or, you know. Uh, no, it's, not out, it's not out there. Yeah. There's not some meaning out there that you discover because it's been a secret mm -hmm. or conjure up because you finally get smart enough. It's been with you from the beginning mm -hmm. and it's your life. Mm -hmm. It's it's will it meaning comes in the living yeah the willingness to live yeah and that's exactly kind of how it started to feel as i was sitting with it there was this bit of adult wonderment and awe and of thinking of all the moments that have collected together to make my life Mm -hmm. and all of the messiness as well as the elevation and and you know depression and all these things there was it felt like you know, there was meaning in all of that rather than something. Hey, you th hey, thank you very much. That's it. Yeah. And and to even say that in a certain way with Scott's death, I mean, everything. Not glad that that happened, but. And even this, I'll live. That hits me. Yeah, and even this, I will live. And I, it kind of made me feel like sometimes I can be judgmental of myself because I don't know how this came to be, but there's somehow this storyline that when you have something tragic, if you really turn it around, you know, it's like, it's amazing. And so sometimes I feel judgmental of, oh, why haven't I done more? But what I felt was, that my life has been the antidote. You know, it, it's been the medicine. It's been everything that I've needed since that time That's is right. what has manifested in its, right. in its utter perfection. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, it's not some tidying up. Right. And making good. No. It's the, the fullness of it all. And that's why it's very adult. That's why it's a stepping beyond. It isn't a going back into, like you said, a, a shiny innocence. Right. There's no going back. Yeah. And you could feel that with his death. That was was never going to be the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I really just appreciated all of these inquiry sessions. And this edge for me has been related to what we're talking about, which is really um, the gift of realizing that a life well lived doesn't equate a life of abundant happiness in the emotional sense. Yeah. Um, and it's been a real relief to dismantle that. And it, I think, has given me this place to be where I am now, where I feel kind of awake and alive and tremoring and shaky and a little afraid and you know but letting go of the need to plan out my future because instead it feels like I, I'm living into my life mm -hmm. and that feels like the most important place to be yeah and we make our plans and keep them provisional mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so we can move with the changes yeah so thank you Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you on your birthday and to see how this birthday is unfolding for you and that we get to share the depth of it. It's, you're not just um, having a present blowing out a candle. And that's a lot of fun. Enjoy it. <laughs> I'll do that later. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think these are the things Mary Oliver is talking about in her poem. You can reach out even though you don't can't really grasp anything, but you can keep looking and keep waiting for everything to arrive. Mm -hmm. Hello, Rosemary. I just don't see you, but I hear you. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Uh, we're working on it. There you are. There you are. Okay. Hi. hi. Clint. Um, Thank you. I was. Um, so moved by your talk with Laura, you know, and I had something to, you know, talk about and I, I will, but thank you for that whole uh, exchange with her. Um, I wanted to thank you for reminding us, me, about the resuming of the beginner's mind, because I mean, I really am a, a beginner and that's where I am, but I'm so eager to know and I think that the reminder to whatever I learned to pull back into, you know, sitting, and I mean, not that I don't, I do, I sit, but to um, not get lost in mm -hmm. the learning mm -hmm. and to have that, um, to have the two ends, you know, the learning and the beginning sort of be together and uh, without the striving to catch up and some and so that that was really really important to me um here's a helpful household hint the study sorry? here's a helpful household hint from Heloise. <laughs> the, the striving the study instead think of it as celebrating um, what's already and always present 
but we bring it out to celebrate it so it keeps opening. Well, that's 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 lovely. I, I will try and think of it that instead way. Of it, instead of acquisitive, it's celebrating what's always and already with you that you'll resume through your study. Now you're going to make me cry, <laughs> but thank you. Um, three for three then today. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Um, something that also connected was um, in the intensive over the weekend, we were talking about delusions, mm -hmm. which really, really hit me. And overnight, Saturday to Sunday, I came up with 11 of my own. And um, good list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, I, I decided that um, to be very grateful, really, for them, because they, they were there for me. And I wrote a little thing about retiring them and not, not ending them, just having, they can be there, um, but thank you so much for what you've done for me and all of That's, your years. Thank you very much, Shosuzuki Roshi exactly for your years of service and you can visit but you'll probably be bored there won't be too much for you to do um but you know thank you exactly and um anyway that's it in one last thing oh can i, I say one thing about that yes please as you thank them and you realize that they will probably step back and be more gentle because you might say please Remain with your essential gift. When all of those parts of you, all those delusions have settled from their extreme roles, there'll be a gift in there because if everything is Buddha nature, guess what's at the center of every delusion? Buddha nature. Remember the pearl? Yes. There's a gift at the center. Just as an example. So one of the things I struggle with is this intellectual, you know, perfectionistic kind of mind, you know, they can suddenly get the best of me. You probably understand that one. And as it softens, and when I'm not so much in the grip of it, I realize the, the jewel at the center of it is discernment and wisdom when it's not all wrapped up in its neurotic stuff. All of them have a gift. If everything has the nature of Buddha, and so does every delusion and every part. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and you had one last thing. Go ahead. You Go had ahead. one last thing. The one last thing was that Picasso said that it took him his whole career to paint like a child. Yes, uh -huh. that's right. To not make it complicated. Exactly. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Another language of what we were just speaking about um, in internal family systems, we talk about every part has self at its core. This a similar thing, just a different language. Georgia, Groundhog Day. You're still muted. Make sure you unmute yourself there. Oop, you had it, and then it went up and back again. There yeah. you go. Okay, good. Um, Got it. Yeah, happy Groundhog Day. Yes. Um, I, uh, 
I have been thinking of you so often, uh, so much in the last um, few weeks, but particularly in the, in the last few days. I found myself in discussion with my neighbor, started about bamboo, which we, you know, is between our, our two homes, and how much he likes it and wants to add to and appreciates. And, and I began thinking of all the things that you said about bamboo bending under the snow, not breaking, and mm-hmm. and um, and I found myself de- saying to him, describing him, um, and I couldn't say the word equanimous. It it wouldn't come out of my. I couldn't pronounce it. Equanimous? I could spell it, and I couldn't pronounce it. Equanimous. Equanimous. Equanimity. 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 Equanimous. Any rate, and all of a sudden, I began to realize that I didn't have it, (laughs) that I didn't feel it, that there were so many things pressing on me that I didn't feel equanimity. Mm -hmm. Equanimous. I don't know how to say it still. Doesn't matter. You know what it means to you. I do. I do. And I, um, it, it boiled up. I had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, uh, of some panic and some flare up and, and I, because of that panic and flare up, I opened up to my partner, to, um, uh, the people that I work with and it allowed equanimity to come back into my life. And so apropos of what you and Cassie were discussing, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, let it, and what, you know, you were just discussing with Rosemary, you know, holding on to grasping, making sure to, to grasping it for equanimity. When I finally let go of the, not let go of, acknowledged, um, said hello to the upset and the, um, Thank you very much. Finding equanimity. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much, even for that. Yeah. So. Uh, it's, I had a curious thought um, because I, some people don't know, because I have some of the pottery that you've made. Um, it's beautiful. There's, there's some beautiful cups that she's made, beautiful shapes, and there's a glaze in the bottom. And if you look at them in the light, you can see some movement in the glaze. And one of them I was looking at the other day, and you can see us, the circle. <laughs> you know? Yes. And I, yes. And I just now thought, oh, there's there's your circle shows up, you know. Yeah. 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 My Enzo. Yeah, and you know, I think um, the times I've sat with you in that that backyard, it would take Mary Oliver's point: where does the temple begin? Where does it end? If you take one of your lawn chairs, put it out there, and then take a little stick. And walk around, even if there's no line made, make a, an imaginary line around the chair and then go sit in it. Oh, good. And then remember equanimity and see what you learn. Yeah, I will. Maybe a piece and of bamboo. Make a little line. Yeah, make a line with a bamboo stick. A bamboo that you can't see, but you now that you know it's there, and sit in the middle of it and hang out for a while. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Thank you. you. Hello, Robin and Jim.
<laughs> Hello. Hey. Um, in this circle that you have um, drawn in the story that you told the Jesus or the character of us, let's say, is alone and, you know, with our conditioning and whatnot. And um, what I'm working with is um, all the people in this circle with me. This one is, we're good. But um, when, uh, when I lose my beginner's mind, and I'm not really an expert mind either, I'm not in just a neurotic Robin mind. Um, and then everyone's in their own versions and we're on Zoom and we're trying to, you know, accomplish something and we're in a state of change, whether it's from COVID or peg moving or um, the councils at Appamata shifting roles of just duties of what we do. Um, I need some guidance in how to be what I what comes to mind is to name it in the you group. Know, it, it's a wonder that anything gets done at all, isn't it? It sort of is. Yeah. No, I've actually had that thought for sure. And I actually don't say that as a joke. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think of all the karma, all the complexity, all the variables, the, the miracle, the wonder, the awe is that things actually move as well as they do. Yes. And we just do our best. I fear that my best sometimes is quite unskillful. And well, I welcome do to the club. That's true. <laughs> well, I know it's not an exclusive club, um, but. Um, and so, but, but the fact that you know that, that you're aware of that, that you reflect on, oh, that's not as, that's practice. Yeah. If you think what you're doing as you bumble along and people are having trouble is just yeah, you're right and they're wrong. That's not practice. But you're saying well, think something's not right here. That's practice. That's the reflection yeah. capacity. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and that's as good as it gets, you know, but but that requires that's not nothing. That's quite a bit. True. And then we step into that place that you can't define and that Suzuki Roshi was saying is hard. And it's not a cop out. There isn't a way to say, and how do you do it? Yeah, there's skillful communication. You can study and practice that. You do. There are spiritual practices. There are human practices. You all do all that. And then, then we have to bow to the ineffable and just keep living, like Laura was saying, and so live our way through it, you know? Yes. Yes. I think what occurs to me in telling you about this is it's a group of people that it would be appropriate and welcome enough to name it to say this is this has been my experience how is this going for everyone else absolutely and that's then that's relational practice exactly and that's actually i think what zoom sometimes overemphasizes is a lack of relation you know these hard little boxes and that you can't speak collaboratively so that's clarifying 
you knit. Mm -hmm. So knit them together. Yeah. And we're at the end of our time. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming forward. Good to see you, Jim. So now we're going to, uh, since we're at the end of our time, we'll need to do our four practice principle chant together. I hope you'll do it out loud wherever you are, because it's about the stepping beyond resuming our beginner's mind. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you for being with us today. And thank you for your support and your encouragement and your beautiful practices. Alpha programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. And everything that you do makes a difference. Thank you so much. If you'd like to make a contribution, you can do so on the website at alphamata.org. Thank you.